Well, good morning. It's good to see you. It's good to hear you. Good morning to those of you joining us online. My name is Chad Myers. I'm our adult discipleship director. It's a privilege to be with you in this room this morning worshiping. Um, I was asked before the service, a question was posed to me, where's your Christmas outfit? And um, I looked down and I said, well, it is a green shirt, but the more I thought about it, I concur. I concur. It's not a very good Christmas outfit, is it? And then I was put to shame by these two beautiful children in the back with little red, bright red Christmas dresses. And it was just like, oh, yeah. And uh, last night, my wife and I were talking about uh, what to wear. I don't know if other pastors do this. It's like, what do I wear tomorrow? And I was thinking about this. And she goes, what about that reindeer sweater you have? And uh, I was close to wearing the reindeer sweater, but uh, I'll just tell you, you know, like any good dating relationship, you and I, Mount Horeb, we haven't been together long enough for me to trust you with that one. <laughs> Maybe next year. <clears throat> it's, a, it's an honor to be with you today as we look forward to celebrating Christmas the Sunday before Christmas Eve and our Advent season. Advent means arrival, and we look backward to Jesus' arrival, where God became one of us, put on flesh to dwell amongst us. And um, this year is a bit different for us as we do that, isn't it? This is the time of year, even still with all that's gone on, this is the time of year that people's hearts, the hearts of humanity are often more open, more open to mystery, more open to transcendence, more open to other. This is the time of year that our hearts are more open and often full. When was the last time you had a filled heart? For me, it was just this week. It was uh, evening time, we had eaten dinner, and I don't know if somebody had slipped Benadryl in our our cups at the dinner table, but everybody was just super chill afterwards, and we were sitting around. My oldest was working on a project for school, and she had uh, incorporated our youngest to help her, and they were laughing and working on a school project, and uh, my wife was in the other room playing Battleship with our son. I was in another room playing a board game with one of our daughters. There was Christmas music. Uh, It smelled like Christmas. Gingerbread cookies were baking, and I just remember thinking and soaking in that time, oh, my heart is so full. This is everything I could envision. I had envisioned when I was thinking about having a home with a family in it. When was the last time your heart was filled? It's this time of year also, though, that because our hearts are often on our sleeve, that we might not just feel fulfillment, but we feel a piercing emptiness, As we just heard a beautiful, beautiful and well done song, I'll be home for Christmas, if only in my dreams. And the reality is some of you won't be home for Christmas. It's been over a year since I've seen my parents and my brothers. Some of you won't be able to make it home. Some of you would normally have family come into your home, but you won't be able to do it. And it's this time of year, it's a complex experience, but we often have our hearts both filled and empty. What do we do with that? One of the strange things about COVID for us is that it has, it has left places that are normally full empty. I'm gonna show you a few pictures. This is a, an actual NFL game. It's not just a picture of the stadium. Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City. You can see how empty it is of fans. This is the Red Square, Moscow. Only two guards there. This next picture is a Freeway that is normally jam-packed just outside of Dubai. This was late March. One lone taxi 
and one lone prayer at the West Wall in Jerusalem. This last one sticks out especially to me. It's the cathedral in Milan. If you remember this past Easter, it especially sticks out to us because uh, Easter was a day for us that really pushed us closer to the decision of coming to Mount Horeb. And at noon that day, Andrea Bocelli sang just outside of this chapel. And if you watched that, you saw that the, the screen showed different pictures of cities all around the world just completely empty, completely barren. And we look at that and we look with, with, with our hearts and our minds and we say something like, that's not right. It shouldn't be that way. Cities were meant to be filled. Spaces that are void were meant to be filled. Christmas trees weren't, weren't meant to be left barren. They're meant to be filled with lights and decorations and tinsel and ornaments. Every child will tell you the stockings aren't supposed to be empty. They're supposed to be full. Houses are meant to be filled with laughter and love, and our hearts are meant to be filled with God. Have we made space for him this season? And if Advent teaches us anything, it teaches us that, that life is about waiting for God to fill the void, about waiting for God to fill the silence. It's about waiting for God to show up and arrive. And then... It also teaches us this, us this, and sometimes we miss it. When he does arrive, and when he does speak, and when the void is filled, it's about cooperating with him to empty that space in service to the world and to others. And that's what I wanna talk about today. That as we create a home with God, the empty are filled, and as we are filled, we are meant to be emptied again in service to others. We've been in our series, Home for Christmas, and we've seen how our home with God and often home with our families, it's a place where the weary find rest. It's a place where the broken find grace. And today it's a place where the empty are filled. John 15 says this, live in me, make your home in me just as I do in you. And even though our homes may look different, every one of us may have a different makeup in our home, and especially around this season for Christmas, it may look different. The reality is this, we can always make our home in God, and God is making his home within us. That's what Advent teaches us, that Christ came to dwell in, among, and through us, and to fill the emptiness that we may all experience. So how do we become filled with God? And then what do we do when we are filled with God? I wanna answer those two questions with two simple points today. The first is this, home with God is where the empty are filled. Home with God is where the empty are filled. It's God's desire to fill empty spaces. We see this throughout the scriptures. It's God's desire. We see this in the book of John. Jesus says, I have, I have taught you. I've shared my message with you. I've told these things to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be what? Full. As we just saw in John 15, I desire to make a home within you and fill that home. As Paul prays in Ephesians chapter three, I pray that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you may be what? Filled with the fullness of God. And in Luke chapter two, we see the birth story that an angel 
comes to Elizabeth first. You remember Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, Elizabeth and Zechariah are married, comes to Elizabeth, and Elizabeth is old and she's barren. They don't have any children. She, she has a barren womb, and, and the angel says to her, you're gonna have a child. There and her and her husband conceive, and her womb is filled with John the Baptist. Then the angel goes to Mary and says, you're gonna have a child. Greetings, highly favored one. The Holy Spirit's gonna come upon you. And she, she kind of stutters, how can this be? I've never had any relations with a man like that. I don't understand. What kind of greeting is this? And the angel says, don't worry, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. It will be a divine conception. And you will be filled, your womb will be filled with the Messiah. And through him, he will set all wrong things right. He will bring shalom, peace to every Man and woman, every boy and girl. And Mary was filled with the Messiah. And then she tells her cousin Elizabeth this, and it says that she is filled with the Holy Spirit. There's all this filling going on at the announcement of the birth of Christ. It's meant to signal something to us. And then Mary's song, formerly known as her Magnificat, Luke 1, 46 through 55 says this. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. Notice the counter of humility and pride. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. Hear this. He has filled the hungry with good things but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And Mary gets it. She hears the message that is a fulfillment of ancient prophecy and that she will be filled with the Messiah and she's filled with the Holy Spirit and she, be, she is overflowing and so she goes away and she writes this song and in this poetic song she says, God fills lowly places. God fills needy people. God fills humble people. God fills broken people. That's how it works. He's looking for people to fill with his presence. Have we made space for him. Have we made space for him? But we don't like being empty. We don't like being empty. And so we deny it. Maybe we deny it. And we say, no, 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 no. I'm not empty. I'm not. I'm really not empty. And I would just argue, well, how about you go without for a little bit? Go without. This is why nobody fasts. Nobody fasts because we don't like the experience of emptiness and feeling hungry. Go without. Go without your normal show. Go without the normal social media. Just like pause all that stuff. Pause your normal routine. Go without your normal rhythm. And I would argue you'll start to feel your emptiness pretty quick. So we may deny it. But if you're, if you're like me, we do something else. We wish it away. We start to get in tune with our emptiness. We start to get in tune with our lowliness, our brokenness, and we don't like it. We don't like it. We want to present a version of ourselves to others that is put together, that has the answers, that knows the way, that understands and knows what we're supposed to be doing. And so what we do with our weakness is we wish it away. 
I can't tell you how many times and how many prayers I have said something like this. God, just take that away. God, if only that wasn't a part of my life, this, you know, my story would be incredible. God, if only that, only that weakness, only that frailty. And what we begin to do is we begin to wish away our weakness and we begin to cover it up to other people. Listen to Jesus' words in Matthew 5, three through six. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Do you see the theme here? It's all the have-nots. And the more we get in touch with that, the more we're keenly aware that we are in need of being filled and the more we cry out from those filled places, God, fill me up. I'm empty. I need you. Jesus says, don't wish away your weakness, but instead, bless your barrenness. Whew. Whenever I like my own point, I just give it a little whew. You know what I mean? I don't know what you would do if you were in my situation, but I think that was worth a whoo. Bless your barrenness. Guess what? The one prerequisite for being filled with God is what? To be empty. To be empty. Don't wish it away. There's, a, there's an old story of a man who lived in a, a hut down by a stream, and every morning he had to go get water. And he had two pots water pots with which to carry water. And one of them was perfect and it held the water to the brim and the other one had a small crack in the bottom and it slowly leaked. And every morning he would go get the water and he would carry it back. And by the time he got to his house, the, the, the pot that was perfect, it still held all the water. And the other pot that was cracked, it was half full. And the cracked pot began to feel very guilty about this until the cracked pot just couldn't take it anymore. And one day says to the owner of the house, I don't understand why you keep me around. I have a weakness. You see this crack and I feel it every day. And I know that when you go to get water, you fill both of us up and I notice the other pot and the other pot's full. And by the time we get back to the house, I've leaked out all over the side of the path. And when we get back to your house, I don't carry as much water as I can. I wish you would just take away this weakness. And the owner of the house compassionately says to the pot, tomorrow when I go get water, I want you to pay attention to the side of the path. Sure enough, next day came and the owner gets the pots and lays them across his shoulders and goes and fills them up with water and begins to walk back. And the cracked pot begins to leak water, but the pot notices something. Down along the side of the path, where the owner of the house walked, it's a beautiful row of flowers. And they get back to the house and the owner says, did you notice the flowers? And the pot says, yes. And the owner says, if you didn't have this weakness, I wouldn't have these beautiful flowers with which to, to, to bless the path that I walk. And I take these flowers and I decorate my table, my dining room table with them. Your weakness is not to be wished away. It's a gift to be embraced. Friends, don't wish away your weakness. Don't wish away your emptiness. Don't wish away your grief. Bless your barrenness. Bless your barrenness. Often we don't like to be empty and so what we do 
is we don't wait well. We don't wait well. And Advent teaches us, we start Advent the last Sunday in November, it teaches us that it's about waiting, that life is about waiting. It's a metaphor for all of life, that life is really about waiting well. And when we don't wait well for God to satisfy and to fulfill our desires, that's when I get into trouble. That's when we get into trouble. We get in our own way and we take life into our own hands and we say, thanks God, I heard you, but I got it from here. Jeremiah 2.13 says this, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have done, dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that can't hold water. Did you see this? The spring of living water, the people of God forsook. They turned away. It's a picture for not wanting to be satisfied with all that God is for us and not waiting well for him. So you know what? You know what? I'm done with this and it's taking too long and your timetable, you know, it's not working out. So I'm gonna take matters into my own hands and I'm gonna be in control now. And the people of God, they dug out cisterns and they poured water into it, but guess what? They were broken and they didn't hold any water. And if Jeremiah teaches us anything about how to be filled with God, it teaches us this. It's possible to fill ourselves with things that leave us empty. You may say to me, well, what's it like to be filled with God? I don't know if I have the full answer to that, to be honest. But I think about the fruit of the Spirit. You say, well, I don't, I don't always feel filled with God. And in this sense, I would say, well, it's not always about a feeling, but it is about a fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. When those things, when those are not just visitors in our home, but when they are regular guests in our home, I think we're on the right track of what it means to be filled with God. But when we're filled with vengeance, when we're fueled by anger, by anxiety and the need to control and the need to be on top of things and the need to shortcut God's plans, then we fill our things, fill ourselves with things that leave us empty. <laughs> I, uh, a few weeks ago, I tried to turn on our gas fireplace for the first time. I almost blew up the house. Our kids got nervous because uh, I couldn't figure it out, couldn't get the pilot to light, and there was a gas valve underneath there, and I turned it on, I thought, and I started clicking the igniter, and I was waiting for the pilot to light, and it wouldn't light, so I thought, something's not right. I wasn't even smelling any natural gas, and so I went outside of the house, and there were two gas valves there, so I opened both of those gas valves and uh, called my friend, a neighbor over, and he graciously came over. It's like 9, 9.30 at night, and wife wanted the fire on, so you know what? I'm gonna go to work putting the fire on, and uh, we just can't figure it out, and we're messing with it 15 or 20 minutes later, the house is filled with the smell of natural gas. And I, I woke up our kids. I said, everybody, go outside. Everybody out. This house is filled with natural gas. Everybody outside. And they're groggy and they're woke up and they're going outside. And my son is so frustrated. He's outside. He's like, why does dad always do this stuff at nighttime? <laughs> that leads to another story, but I'll save that one for a different time. So I'm in the house and I'm trying to figure out and my neighbor's in the house risking his life as well. And uh, we're trying to figure this out and my wife's outside with the kids and she goes, I'm gonna go inside. And one of my daughters stops and says, no, I can't lose both of you. I gotta have at least one of you. 
Finally, we went out to the back and I just said, I don't know what it is, but turn these gas valves off. We closed those gas valves. We opened all the windows 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes later, maybe an hour. There's no smell in the house. We came back inside. It's possible to fill ourselves with something, to fill our, our home with something that leaves us empty and vacated. What is your broken cistern? And I say that in the most non-condemning way I can possibly say it. But what is your broken cistern? What is the thing that you keep going to and you think, this is gonna do it. This is gonna leave me fulfilled. This is gonna truly satisfy. This is really gonna fill me up. And you're worse off afterwards. You're more empty than when you started. You remember the story of Narnia. The story of Narnia, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. They're going to Narnia, and Edmund, he betrays his family, but before he does, he meets the white witch who represents evil or the evil one, and she needs to get information out of him. So she says, well, what would you like to eat? And he says, I would like Turkish delight. Turkish delight is a very sweet candy, and so she gives him Turkish delight, but it's not just any Turkish delight. It's meant to represent temptation and sin, and, and as Lewis tells the story, it says that he kept eating Turkish delight because he kept craving it, but guess what? It never actually satisfied him. It was a broken cistern. And Advent really, ultimately, is about us in the silence and in the waiting, saying, God, help me make room in my heart. Help me make room in my life. I've stuffed it, I've jammed it with other things, and ultimately, they're broken cisterns. I, I wanna embrace my emptiness, and I wanna be filled with you. Come and fill me. Guess what? That's a prayer that God honors and answers all the time. But what do we do with that fullness? If home with God is a place where the empty become filled, then the counterpoint has to be said as well, that home with God is where the filled become empty. You say, no, no, wait a second, wait a second. You just told me that, that it was a good thing to be empty and that I needed to be filled and God would fill me, and yes, he will, and now you're saying that when I'm full, I need to be emptied. I am. Because when we are full, we have a tendency to forget. We forget what it's like to be in need. We forget what it's like to be hungry. We forget what it's like to be desperate. Now, sometimes we look at spiritual warfare or stress or outside pressure. We think, God, if that was just a way, I would feel great. But guess what? It's often those things in our lives that remind us of our need for God. And we press into him during those times and those seasons. And when we are full, we have a tendency to forget. So I believe this is a cycle that God wants us to get on. It's a rhythm that God is inviting us to, that we are empty and that we ask to be filled and then we're filled and then we empty ourselves in service to others. This is a daily thing. This is a weekly thing. This is a monthly thing. It's yearly. We just have to get used to it because often the temptation is, oh, I'm full. Ooh, I gotta hold on to that. I gotta hold on to that. That's amazing. I gotta hold on to that. The more we hold on to it, the more it just slips through. Luke 2, six through seven says this. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Mary and Joseph are under the political rule of Rome, 
and they have to travel because of the census ordered to his hometown, which is Bethlehem. And so they go to Bethlehem and there's really no inns at that time. That's why I like this translation. It says there's no room in the guest room because hospitality was a high virtue in those days. And so people would travel and then in their homes, they would have a large room where basically it was a, a one-room home where everything would happen. And then they would have a little space off to the side, and it was known as the kataluma, the spare room. That's the word used here. And what the narrator is saying to us is that because everyone had traveled to Bethlehem because of this political call and because they needed to take a census, there's no room. All of the spare rooms are taken up. I know I just destroyed your nativity dreams in one foul swoop. I'm sorry. But there's no spare room there. And so what happens is it's kind of like a walkout ranch with a basement. Is that they would have had another space under the house. Would have been opened to the elements. But they would have kept the animals there. And underneath there they would have had the animals. And they would have dug out a little cave in the side of the wall. And there they would have placed the food for the animals. And it was called a manger. And Jesus was born underneath a house, open to the elements where the animals are. This humility of God. This humility of God, as Paul says in Philippians, to be emptied of his divinity in some mysterious way that we can't explain and we can't comprehend. And to come among us and he doesn't even announce it to the world. And Bethlehem missed it. Most of Bethlehem missed it. They didn't miss it though, hear me carefully. They didn't miss it because they weren't expecting a Messiah. They missed it because they had a misrepresentation of what they thought the Messiah should be. And God said, I'm doing something new in your midst. I'm doing something new among you. And this is Advent, friends. Can we adapt and be open to the new ways that the Spirit of God is moving? It's not bad. Whatever God did in your life at eight years old at that church camp is not bad, but he's doing something new. Whatever God did in your marriage when you first got married, it's not bad, it's good, but now he's inviting you to a new chapter. Whatever God did in your college life and how you felt so alive and fresh, it's good, it's not bad, but God's doing something new now. Can we track with that? It's what Advent means, new and fresh ways. Maybe we're empty because we're holding on so tight. No, God, you got to work like that. It wasn't what it used to be. Man, I wish we could just go backwards. That's not how God works. And he invites us to have courage and faith to go forward and to be filled in new ways. But notice too, she gave birth. I know it's natural, I know it's normal, but the point needs to be made. Her womb was filled and then it was emptied. There was a rhythm to life. She was filled with the Messiah and then the Messiah was born. We were never meant to hold on to stuff. It was meant to be given away. Grace was meant to be given. Love was meant to be lavished. Words were meant to be spoken. Life was meant to be lived. Acts of service were meant to be acted upon. A few years ago, me and my wife, we went on a date night into St. Louis City. It's about a 50-minute drive. 
and we're heading down to this Turkish restaurant that we loved. They had lamb kebabs and this little fresh, hot flatbread. It was like a Middle Eastern tortilla that they would bring you in lentil soup, and it was just phenomenal. And we're headed down there, and it's beginning to rain, and I'm not much of a gambler, but I'll gamble with the gas tank, if you know what I mean. Any of you gamblers with the gas tanks out there? Uh-huh. And we're going down there, and all of a sudden, like, bing, the light comes on, and I'm like, whatever, we'll be fine. So we get to the restaurant, and we get to eat, and it's a nice time. And as we're leaving, it starts to rain like it did about 5.30, 6 o'clock this morning. It's just raining cats and dogs, and it's heavy. And I get in the car, and I'm still feeling like, you know, rolling the dice. So I'm like, I think we can get almost home. And so we get in the car and we're driving and I know about which exit I'm gonna stop at and I think there's a gas station there and that light's looking at me and I'm just going and going and people are leaving the city at this time. So it's like five lanes of stacked traffic. The rain's coming down. So we're all going about 40 miles an hour. I'm in the left lane. We're going along and then we're getting this overpass where Highway 40 and 270 meet and it's a very crowded overpass and all of a sudden I feel the power go out. And I thought, I lost the gamble. And I look over my shoulder and I flip my blinker and I cut across five lanes of traffic onto the shoulder and we're out of gas. The one thing I wanted in that moment was a full gas tank. We eventually got the gas tank filled. But what if I, what if I got that gas tank filled and I, I left our vehicle in the driveway? I said vehicle, not minivan, because I didn't want you to know I drove a minivan. What if we filled the gas tank and we just left it in the driveway? And someone said to me, well, hey, what, what are you guys doing? I notice you don't ever drive your vehicle. And I said something like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we've ran out of gas once, and, and it was on empty, and now it's full, and we don't want to risk that anymore. It'd be silly, wouldn't it? And sometimes we do that with our own lives. We don't want to be empty, and so we hold on. But that's not the purpose. It's meant to be poured out. It's meant to be shared. Luke 6.38 tells us this. Luke 6.38, this is the secret, and I hate saying the word secret because it kind of makes us feel like we have this corner market on this or I have this corner market on it, but I don't. It's just what I say to get you to listen to me because it's later in the sermon. This is the secret to how to be filled with God. He says this, give and it will be given to you. Notice what he says. He doesn't say, receive, and it will be given to you, and then you give. He says, give, and it will be given to you. So here's the trick with really being filled with God. You have to give first. You see that? We gave, we gave away this Advent offering, this Advent gift last week. Many people who weren't in service, uh, they'd stayed home because of COVID. They, they came through this week to pick up their Advent gift. And they were in this drive line and we couldn't move the line along fast enough. We couldn't move the line along. And, and people were sharing their stories and, 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 and they wanted to talk about, guess what? What they were gonna give, what they were gonna do. Some people needed it. Some people, it's been a tough year and they received this, this Advent gift and they just broke down in tears. Single parents, thank you so much, they said. 
This is just what we needed. But many, many people came through, and guess what? They couldn't stop talking about how they were going to give and multiply and add to. And we're going to use, we're going to add our own 100 or our own 200, our own 500. We're going to do this, and I know just what we're going to do. And guess what? They were getting this secret, even if they couldn't articulate it. That is, it, it is in the giving that we receive. It's in the blessing that we are blessed. It's in the pouring out that we are filled. So here's the trick. We don't wait to be full. We give even if, if we're empty. That's the trick. We don't wait to feel powerful. We act out as if we already were empowered with the spirit of Christ. We don't wait to feel compassion. We act in compassionate ways and then we're filled with compassion. Do you see this? When I wake up, on Sunday mornings and I'm slotted to preach, I'm often not full. I feel very empty beforehand. And one of my first prayers as I wake up, other than, dear God, 5.30 comes really early. <laughs> Maybe it's my second prayer. My second prayer is, God, fill me. You have to fill me. I can't do it. In and of myself, I don't feel like I have anything to give today. And then guess when I'm the most filled? It's after. And my wife and kids will tell you, he comes home, he's on a high, he's like da-da-da-da-da, and I'm loving life, and I'm like, oh, this. It's in the giving that you receive. It's in the sharing that you are filled. Don't wait to be filled. Give first. Tony Evans shares this story he shares the story of a man finding himself lost in the desert. He's dying of thirst. He's dehydrated. And all of a sudden, he sees something in the distance. And so he stumbles towards it. And it's this jar full of water next to a pump. And he begins to, to, sit, to, to sit down and to grab this jar full of water. And he can't wait to quench his thirst. And as he does, he's about to drink the water. He notices a sign. And it says, use water to prime pump. And he stops. And he thinks to himself, now what do I do? I can drink the water or I can use the water to prime the pump and I can get more water. What if the pump's empty? What if the well's empty? What if it doesn't work? What if he primes the pump and he lost his only chance? Sure enough, he takes the jar and he steps out and he primes the pump. And he begins to pump, and the water just flows freely. Drank one jar after another, one jar after another. And then he pumped it one final time, and he filled the jar full, and he left it for the next thirsty traveler. It's in giving that we receive. It's in blessing that we are blessed. It's in pouring out that we are filled. God fills us so that we can be filling others. So what do we do, friends? What do we do if we want to get in step with this rhythm? What do we do if we want to cooperate with the ways of God as laid out today? Very briefly, I would say this. The first thing we do is clear out the clutter. Clear out the clutter. Every year, 
my wife takes out the Christmas decorations and she opens them up and she creates a magical winter wonderland in our home. It's one of my favorite times of the year. But often we find in there lights that don't work, things from last year that maybe got broken and we try to clear out the clutter. What's cluttering your mind? What's cluttering your heart? Clear it out. Make space for the birth of Christ again in your heart. Secondly, wait well. Clear out the clutter and wait well. It's hard to wait. I understand. I'm human. I'm fragile. I'm broken. Oftentimes, I don't wait well. But when I do, God meets me in those places and fills me. When I embrace that emptiness, when I say, I don't have anything to give, but I'm not going to take control and do it in my own timing. I'm going to wait for you. Wait well. And lastly, share selflessly. It doesn't just have to be monetary. One of the greatest gifts that we will give to people is our time. It's our presence. You have a gift to share and it's you. It's the light of God in you. It's the light of Christ in you. So be present with those around you. Give your words freely. Give your affection freely. Give your encouragement freely knowing that it is in the giving that you will be filled. And trust God, he will fill you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much. It's this season that we're more in tune. We need you. We long to be filled with you just as a world watched and waited for hundreds and thousands of years for God to come in the flesh and show us what it was like to be truly human, we still wait, not for your first coming, not for your forgiveness because you've already provided that, but we wait for you to make our hearts whole. We wait for you and your ultimate healing. We look to you to fill us with your life. And we look for the time that you'll return again and fill this world fully and rightly with your reign. Come, Lord Jesus. We ask all these things in Christ's name, amen.